Episode 158, everybody with divorce attorney Sonia Frontera, author of Relationship Solutions, Effective Strategies to Heal Your Heart and Create the Happiness You Deserve, was a tremendous conversation. Sonia was, uh, is a divorcee herself. She found herself in a manipulative, psychologically abusive situation very quickly, within basically 24 hours of her wedding day. And she talks about her journey and path and everything that went on and how she has overcome it to live a more happy, healthy life, uh, is since remarried and uh, provides women and men, both uh, people that are going through some tough times. She provides um, effective strategies and solutions to uh, guide you on a path to happiness uh, if you find yourself in something similar. There is are, There are ways out and uh, there are roadmaps to follow and uh, I love her advice to just love yourself. Uh, with that said, folks, if you haven't yet, please click subscribe. Join the podcast family. We are growing exponentially, uh, thousands and thousands of downloads every single month, and um, I don't see it slowing down. And that's because of the word of mouth and the loyalty of you and the people that you are bringing to the podcast. I really thank you for sharing, subscribing, rating, reviewing, whatever it takes to continue to get this message out. Um the value that we're bringing. And uh, again, it, it's not going unnoticed. I appreciate every one of you. With that said, folks, as promised, please sit back, relax, and welcome the one and only Sonia Frontera. The Optimal Life. So a divorce lawyer, I'm actually an attorney as well, Sonia, but I do not practice. Oh, I do not practice at all. What is life as a divorce lawyer? Um, it's interesting. It's a world full of toxicity and... Uh pain and that's why it is my intention to make it as painless as possible for people how long have you been practicing I've been practicing law for 25 almost 26 years but uh, divorce is something I'm doing more recently I retired from government I was in government for 17 years out of my practice yeah divorce sounds a lot more it, it might be toxic, but it seems to be a lot more probably high-paced and interesting than working government work. Uh, that's debatable, but anyway, um, it is what it is. I, uh, However, I have to point out that I stay away from, from the more toxic kinds of divorce, and I only practice collaborative and uncontested. Mm. So that takes some of the toxicity away from it. Yeah, absolutely. So if somebody comes to you and you realize after a consultation or you, you get some facts on the situation, you realize this is going to be nasty, you just turn them away or you, you give them to somebody else? Actually, I don't even wait for the consultation. I try to get some information. I tell them right off the bat. I, I only do collaborative law. So if they say, oh, I think my husband is going to be um, fight me on this a lot or if they tell me they have been, that their spouse is, uh, retain a particular law firm that I know is more litigation oriented, I say, you know, I'm probably not the best person for, for your particular case, but I can send you to somebody else who would be a better fit. Mm, that's interesting. I wonder if that has to do with, of course, your, your, your background and what you've gone through. Because um, from what I see, when you were 24 years old, you, you got married young, you got married at 24. So take us back to that. And uh, talk about a little bit about your past first relationship, first marriage. Yes, I think I married very young, and I think it's a mistake to marry very young. I was under the impression, you know, culturally that 
that's what you do. You get married and you have uh, 2.3 kids and <laughs> life is perfect from there. You live happily ever after. But I found out really quickly that my husband was an abusive person and I found myself trapped in a relationship that was not viable and in prison, not just because of the relationship itself, but the messages from society and my family and my church that, you know, divorce was not something that was accepted. It was more frowned upon. How did you discover, so, mm -hmm. I'm, I'm seeing here from what you've uh, shared with me, how did you discover within 24 hours of getting married that you were basically conned by a, a, by a psycho, psychologically abusive person? What happened? Oh, that was very painful. We were on the plane on our way to Mexico for a honeymoon, and he told me right then and there that everything was going to change. And he started insulting me and saying very offensive things about my family. So I knew right then and there that I had made a mistake, and I had no idea how I was, how I was going to undo that mistake. Uh -huh. But something went wrong and had to be fixed. How long were you guys together prior to the marriage? Three years. You were together for three years, so you guys were, yeah. and you're living together. No, you were not living together. Okay, I'm just trying to get into some of the background here. So you live, you're you're in a relationship for three years. Was it long distance or was it in the same city? Well, actually, we call New Jersey and New York long distance. It was sort of long distance, but we saw each other frequently. We saw each other every weekend. Okay, and you guys talked almost every day. I take it. Oh, every single day, yes. Yeah. We were very close. But what most people don't understand, and that's why I'm on a mission to get my story out there, is that very often you don't find these things out until after you get married because someone who is abusive very often waits until they feel that they're in control of you when they have the upper hand to then make their moves and reveal their true colors. And that's what happened to me, and it happens to a lot of people as well. So you guys did ne never lived together prior to the marriage? No, I don't believe in living together. I'm, I'm more conservative. I believe in spending time together, but living and sharing the place and paying the rent and all these things, no, I prefer having separate places. Right, but looking back, don't you think that if you had been living together, uh, you may have been able to catch some of those issues prior to saying I do? I don't think so. I really don't. I think it was a matter of, of feeling in control. You see, part of, of the grasp he had on me is the fact that I was Catholic, I'm still Catholic, the fact that I am Catholic and the Catholic Church frowns upon divorce and makes you a second-class citizen when you divorce. So he waited until that wedding was over, So 20, less than 24 hours. That's that's wild. So you, uh, this is it's hard to it's hard to fathom this. So I really want to make sure we get into the details to paint the full picture here for everybody. You're in a relationship for three years. It's somewhat long distance. You guys aren't together every single day, but every weekend essentially you guys are together, and you talk every single day. And in your, how long does it take you until you fall in love with this man? It didn't take me long. It was love at first sight, actually. So you knew right away. I, you he was, know what? Mm -hmm. You were smitten. You were smitten right away, and, and if you felt a connection. Yes, we did have that connection, and it was very strong. Do you believe the right away? Do you believe that the connection, looking back, was authentic, or were you just completely manipulated from day one? 
know that their relationship was authentic. It was. And I think there's some cultural cultural uh, patterns in his behavior that he saw it. Certain things were acceptable. We were from different, you know, cultural backgrounds. He was born a foreigner. He had just uh, lived in the United States for five years when we got married. So I think these cultural differences, what is acceptable in a relationship and what isn't. And that's why it's so important for people to examine this as they go into their relationships, as well as when they get out of their relationships and they're looking to recouple in the future. So you guys have a wedding. Uh, is Was the wedding in your hometown or his or somewhere else? It was actually, I am from Puerto Rico, and uh, I live in New Jersey, and he lived in New York City, and the wedding was in Puerto Rico. I come from a very conservative family, and you just get married, you know, where you come from. Gotcha. So, so that's where we had the wedding. Family, friends, everyone shows up, correct? Yes. Okay. So you have this, what I take to, what I, my, when I hear Puerto Rico, it sounds fantastic. It sounds tropical. So let's just call it, you have this tropical wedding. And, um, yes. And uh, the next day, you guys get on a plane to go on a honeymoon, and you're sitting there on the plane, and t tell us again exactly what, what he says to you. He just says to me, everything is going to change, and starts saying things about my family, and, you know, things like, I, and I, I really have erased the specific words out of my mind. So I couldn't tell you exactly what he said, other than everything's going to change. And him saying very vile things about my family and the expression in his face was absolutely vicious. That I will never forget. And how do you react to that? Oh, I cried on my way to Mexico. I mean, you had to be completely in, sh I mean, completely in shock. You're like, we're going on our honeymoon. Why are you, t are you asking him, like, is this for real? Like, what are you saying to him? I was so taken aback and so in dismay. I was speechless. The only thing I could do was sob. And he sees you crying and he just sits there reading his paper or whatever? What? Oh, I have no idea, but I suppose he was probably enjoying himself. Otherwise, why do you do something like that? So you guys go away to, you said, to Mexico? Yes. And uh, what's the, I mean, how do you handle the honeymoon? Is it, what is the experience? It was difficult. I just try to make the best of it, and I'm a survivor. You see, I'm, I, I can't just curl into a ball. I just try to, try to make the best of it and go on, and then when I have an opportunity to collect my thoughts, I'm going to start taking action towards ending this or analyzing what happened here and how, how can this be corrected. And you believe because of your faith and the Catholicism that was that hard for you to kind of just look at him and say who the fuck are you like what, what are you talking this will never work if you're going to behave like that like you just you know what I mean yeah I never I never said something like that but I, I'm more of, of, of a strategist and a thinker and try to analyze what's going on and how do I fix it and uh, very often I mean I'm, I'm not a wallflower I said to him you know, we can't continue doing this. Things have to change. You don't have to say things this way. Um, and it just fell on deaf ears. Did you guys have so children? I, I kind of create, I create, I found ways of creating distance. Shortly after getting married, I went to law school. And I went to law school while holding a full-time job. 
and I had to be studying every single weekend, so I pretty much lived for school, so that created a barrier between him and me. And at some point, we try to we try to see if we could work things out. And he was on a very very good behavior uh, for about a year, but I realized that it was superficial. It was not something that was sustainable and would last. So I just went to law school, finished law school, and divorced my last semester in school. Uh, you, did you ever have any children or no? No. Okay. I knew better than that. I, I realized that when you have children, that is one more avenue. To perpetuate abuse, and this is very common in toxic relationships, that um, the abuser uses the children as a pawn to abuse the other party. Yeah, well, that was tremendous foresight on your part because a lot of people do the opposite, and they go, oh, "Okay, I think if we add maybe a, another human being into this world, that's going to make everything perfect. He'll be different. Our situation will be different." And then you realize very quickly. Oh my God! I just made my situation worse tenfold. Now we're I'm connected to this man or this woman, whoever, whatever side you're on, for the rest of our lives. Even if we don't aren't together, we have a connection. Exactly, exactly. And I realized that. And I, he said those very words that you're saying. He said things would be better if we had kids, and I'm like, absolutely not. Right. Wow. So. Why do you think, you said there was about a year where he was on better behavior. Do you think that he started behaving for those 12 months because he started seeing that, that you were serious, maybe you would leave? What happens? Yes, I, I wanted a divorce, if, and um, he promised he would change and that things would be different. And I said, okay, I'll give you a chance. And one thing you need to uh, factor in, Nate, is that I, I had read... Um, Right around that time, an article that said about 50% of people who divorce regret divorcing and wish they had worked harder at saving their marriages. Mm -hmm. And when I saw that, that really struck me. Because I am not a quitter and I do not, I don't like regret. I think it's no place to be. And I figured if I'm going to make this move, I need to make sure it is the right move for me. And so I went for reconciliation when he promised things would be different and gave him a chance. And in the meantime, I continued to empower myself, which is really the most important thing anyone who's in a situation like this can do. Because once you feel more empowered, those behaviors, because these were psychologically abusive behaviors. It's not like I was bouncing off the walls, being punched and having black eyes here and there. It was more of a psychological type of abuse situation. And because of that, by empowering myself, whatever behaviors he engaged in, they didn't have that power over me. They didn't affect me the way they, they would have if I had not empowered myself first. And so to speak, like, just disconnect that button he's pushing, if you know what I mean. Well, give us some examples. Give us some of the deep, dark examples of, of some of the abuse that you experienced. What, what were some of them? Well, this you see, and and most people are not really familiar with with the the um, the dynamics of someone who's psychologically abusive. But one of the most common things they do is they try to separate you from your friends and family. They try to cut you off from your support systems. So let's say you are having, 
you're going to be seeing your family or you're, you're um, having a conversation with someone. You know, he would stay close with an earshot of my conversation and wait for it to be over and then start saying things like, oh, what did your mother tell you to do now? Or um, make derogatory comments about my family or whatever, trying to discourage me from pursuing those relationships to avoid the aftermath. So you get to a point where it's like you really don't care. It's like you completely blow it off. It's like to hell with you. Um, so you don't get a, you don't get upset. You don't feel offended. You don't feel like you have to defend yourself, or you don't feel like you have to cut yourself off from those relationships that are nourishing to you. Um, and uh, it's very funny because I recently had a conversation with uh, a reader who is ending her relationship with another psychologically abusive person. And this is a relationship that goes more than 20 years back and adult children and grandchildren. And uh, she said, you know, every time you're going to go to a party, he picks a fight. I'm like, bingo. You know, these are things that we don't, we don't think of as, as partner abuse, but they are. Right. If you start paying attention of the, to these behaviors, you realize that there's a pattern in here so it gets to the point where you avoid going to parties altogether, or if you go to a party and you've already been worked up, you're all rattled and you're pissy, and you may you may lash out at your partner because of of this argument you had before the party, and then you look to your friends and family like you're the nut, you know, you're bitchy, you know, you're overly sensitive, and people don't really know what's going on between you and your partner, and don't appreciate what what is really happening. Was your and partner there for you? Was your partner a narcissist? I don't think he was. No, and I think that's that's one area that's one topic that he that has become very popular, associating abusive relationships with narcissism. Narcissists narcissists tend to be abusive, but not all abusers are are narcissists, and he was not. So it, his abuse was more emotional, kind of subtle, you know, manipulations, manipulating circumstances and situations, more than just being completely rude and calling you names. Was it, or was it a mix of both? A mix of those. And how would All of you be above gaslighting, things like that? I mean, little things, and and they can be so subtle, and that's why people don't even realize it. Yeah. Like every time you get a haircut, or uh, making comments on your clothing making comments about every time you have, let's say, lunch with a business associate. So different things. They just find little ways to dissect every situation you find yourself in. Right. And then you feel like you can't... something that's, 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 harm, that's hurtful. You feel like you can't breathe because eventually you just know that no matter what you say or do, this is going to be an issue. This is going to be spun into something that I've done wrong or I'm not worthy or blah, 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 blah. And now I'm going to have to defend myself for being completely innocent and just living my life. It's going to turn into a fight. Exactly for the sake of domestic peace. Um, and it's it's like you just you just you just hit it spot on. It's about making you wrong. It's about making you everything wrong. Everything you do is wrong. Right. Everything you wear, everything you say, every interaction, your friends are wrong. Mm-hmm. So it's a matter of making you wrong and chipping away at your self-esteem. Does this impact you uh, intimacy in the relationship? No, not really. 
I, I separated the two, which is bizarre, but but I try to stay away from from those situations where he was more likely to be abusive or or when, when things that based on past experience I created that expectation that he was going to start with his verbal abuse. I just pretty much removed myself from them. Like I said, I'm I'm a survivor. I just try to make things as smooth as possible. Yeah. And to remove myself and that's again that's why I went to school. It just kept me out of his reach and control for pretty much most of my waking hours. So for any female or male that's listening to this right now, that's going through something similar, oh my gosh, they're listening, they're going, this is me, this is my situation, or I know somebody in the situation. They don't know how to get out of it. What is your best advice? My best advice is empower yourself. First of all, um, and I advocate this in my books, awareness. You need to develop that self-awareness understand your relationship how you got in it because if you don't figure that out you're likely to be sucked into a similar dynamic in the future understand how you got there what are the what are the traps that are keeping you in like in my in my case it was religion as well as you know family opposition the fact that you know my parents frowned upon us getting divorced and wouldn't have really supported me unless I came claim and told them everything that was going on so if you find yourself in that situation, develop that sense of awareness and understand that when your partner is doing things like that, it's not because there's something wrong with you. Understand where this person is coming from. Understand that this person is gaslighting, that this person is manipulating you. And based on that knowledge, you can say, you know what, there's nothing wrong with me. I am fine. I am okay. I can get through this and do get the support systems you need to make your make um, the way out gracefully and safely. Uh, if you find yourself in a situation where your life is in danger, understand that there's plenty of resources out there that you can tap into, like the National Domestic Violence Hotline, where they can give you information and a list of local resources where you can have access to community agencies that can provide the services that you need. And counseling, if you don't find yourself in a violent situation, get counseling. Um, find a therapist, at least someone you can use as a sounding board and support so that you can protect yourself emotionally, strengthen yourself emotionally. because. Not always our friends and relatives understand what we're going through. They're not in a, in a position to really support us and give us what we need to get out of these relationships. So that's why I think it's really, really important to reach out to professionals who understand this type of dynamics and can help you dissolve them. And finally, I, I think it's really important to nourish yourself. Uh, engage in self-care and self-expression. Try to strengthen yourself and derive nourishment from those things that make you feel good, whether it's learning uh, a new hobby or developing friendships or pursuing a new career like I did. So these are the kinds of things I recommend someone do if they, they find themselves in a similar 
positions. You have a book yeah, called Relationship Solutions, Effective Strategies to Heal Your Heart and Create the Happiness You Deserve. So people that are going through that to piggyback off what you just said, what are some of the traps that, that might lure people into these unhappy, abusive situations? I think all of us are not just people in abusive situations. I think we're conditioned by society to enter in relationships. We essentially, our society tells us, and, and by society I mean authority figures like our parents or teachers, um, the church, even the media and advertising, tell us what life is supposed to be like. Uh, you're supposed to be married. You're not validated unless you're, you're, you're um married or have a partner and have children you're incomplete so very often we end up in relationships because we think that they are they are the road to the happiness we all want and we may end up marrying the wrong person or at the wrong time or both because let's say you're in your 30s and your biological clock is ticking away so you get married to someone who may not be right for you because it's the right time or you may marry someone because the person has money and you, you're conditioned to believe that someone, your partner is there to provide for you. So these are the different thought patterns that bring us into relationships and sometimes the way we interpret the thought patterns we develop um, by our life experiences and how we interpret them can play a factor. The way our parents inter interact with one another so it's, it's this collection of thoughts and behavior patterns that draw us into relationships that may be wrong for us and we're not really equipped or trained to realize that going in. So that's how we end up in those kind of relationships that are not right for us and make us very unhappy. That's well said. And uh, my one thing that I always people say, how do you get out of a hole? Well, you get out of a hole, you stop digging. The only yeah. way you get out of that hole is to stop digging because what people tend to do in whatever their situation, doesn't even have to be relationship driven, but they're in a bad situation with something and they're trying to fix it and they keep going back to doing the same things over and over again. They stay in this loop, this routine, this habit of staying in this constant cycle of toxicity for whatever, whatever that might be. How do you get out of it? Stop digging. It's not going to change when you keep go doing the same thing over and over again. Same thing with you. You realize you gave it seven years. You were digging for seven years. Eventually, you said enough's enough. I don't care what people think about me anymore. I'm overcoming my fears of, of being judged. I'm overcoming my fears of maybe my family being upset, the Catholic Church, etc. I'm going to live a life of happiness. I'm making a change. I'm leaving. I'm starting anew. So on the other side of that coin, once you once you do make that decision to leave and rebuild your life. What are some of the things you're doing next time? Because I know you get remarried. What were the th characteristics and things that maybe you did differently looking at that relationship compared to your prior one? Well, it's been very different. For one thing, I didn't want to jump into another relationship very quickly, which is a mistake a lot of people make. I waited a long time to date. I enjoyed my life. I was creating a brand new life, and that's the most important thing. Start creating a life that you really love, one that is not dependent on another and a partner for entertainment or company. So I I created a life with, with a career, 
new friends that came from that career and just being intentional intentional about pursuing my passions and I was happy I created that world of happiness for myself without a partner and then I was ready to recouple so that happened four years ago and that's when I met my husband and we dated for seven years because I was not in a rush to repeat that you know I didn't feel like being married was necessary for me to be happy and uh, we eventually did get married and we're very happy. We just celebrated 14 years of marriage uh, in November. And I am glad I took the time to explore all these things, to rebuild my life and to come to a new relationship from a place of power and a place of love, not dependence. Wow. Complete 180. And, 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 and it, no regrets. And no regrets. So if you can do it all over again, you, would, you wouldn't change a thing. No, and you know, every step that we take in our lives is part of our personal journey and our spiritual evolution. And even though I married the wrong person, this person had a role in my life and I had a role in his. And I learned to become independent and to discover and embrace my resilience, which is something that I did not do before. I married very young. At that point in my life, my family still had a lot of power over me. That, and it's cultural. Um, that sense of entanglement with the family and once I became a divorced woman it's like I'm a different person I'm on a different league mm. that's uh, I was not a little girl anymore that's great advice that's great insight because life when you go through all the easy things in life it makes you soft and maybe it makes you less ambitious uh, you don't have the ability to adapt in times of struggle or pain when you get faced with something that's adverse, such as uh, what you went through in your first marriage, there are silver linings. Like you said, the resilience factor, being able to find independence internally, peace, happiness with just who you are by yourself. You don't need somebody else. You took your time. You probably know how to handle situations of stress even better now because of what you've gone through. You're probably a better attorney because of it. Yes. Yes, and especially uh, dealing with people who find themselves in adverse situations, which is something that many attorneys cannot relate to. A lot of divorce attorneys are happily married, and they have no clue why their clients are so crazy. <laughs> they like the empathy. They just don't understand what it's like. Mm. If, if, you're, if your idea and version of marriage, if that's your flavor of marriage, you're not going to understand what somebody else is going through and how it's affecting their psyche. I mentioned it makes you more compassionate and more insightful. One hundred percent. I mentioned the book Relationship Solutions. It's available on Amazon. We'll link it up here in the show notes. Uh, before we finish off, talk a little bit about the book and, and what it does and what it what type of advice and insight that you provide. Well, Relationship Solutions is my second book. My first book was Solve the Divorce Dilemma, and that was written for women. And I started getting men, uh, you know, writing to me and reaching out and saying, you know, this is too biased for women. So I decided to write a gender neutral version 
So Relationship Solutions is both for men and women and emphasizes the fact that divorce is not a failure. Having problems in your relationship is not a failure, but it is a detour in your road to happiness. The happiness you can create any way you want. It's, it's within your reach to create your own happiness. So that is the focus of Relationship Solutions, to help people who are struggling in their marriages gain that awareness I spoke about before, understand whether or not their relation, how they got in their relationships, what traps keep them in, and whether or not their current relationships are viable. And if their relationships are not viable, how they can end their marriages with dignity and amicably so they can move on. But whether you get married or you divorce, or whether you stay married or you divorce, you are fully equipped to create your happiness the way you deserve, and I guide you through the process. So you can be happy whether you leave or you stay. That's beautifully said. And uh, if you just had to pick one major strategy to heal your heart through whatever trauma and pain you've gone through, what would be the one piece of advice you'd give to somebody? Love yourself. You can't love another. You can't be in a relationship with another unless you love yourself. I, I think the key to empowerment is self-awareness, self-expression, and self-care. Discover and cultivate your passions. And love yourself along the way because you can only create your happiness. It's not dependent on a partner. It's something you do for yourself and you are fully equipped to do. So get started. I love that. Love yourself. Get started. Sonia, thank you so much for the insight today. Thank you so much for having me, Nate.